0: Hello and welcome back to the Holtcast, it's time to dive into Aston Villa's 2-0 win over Crystal Palace, as well as preview their upcoming match on Thursday against Everton. Well, well, Villa fans, Aston Villa are keeping our hopes somewhat alive, maybe they're pulling the wool over eyes and technically uh, papering over the cracks, but we have a win the first since january it feels way 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 too long to say that and very depressing but it feels so good had a little dance around my living room just because I didn't know what to do. And of course, welcome back to the Holtcast. We're here to look over Aston Villa's 2-0 win over Crystal Palace. It's not just me, Cole Petum here alone. I have my good friend, Danny Raza. Danny, how you doing, my friend?
1: Uh, I'm good, actually. But uh, a lot of people were kind of messaging me afterwards like, oh, how how are you feeling? You must be over the moon. You must be. A- no, it feels like there's been a glitch in the matrix. I don't quite know how to react.
0: That's that's fair. (laughs) That's that's the overall analysis. What you'll get with this podcast. We don't know what happened, but we'll take it. And of course, it's not just me and Danny. We have another special guest. He's making his third appearance on the Holtcast. It's Neil Dunworth. Neil, how are you doing, buddy?
2: Very good. I am good. I am. I'm on vacation at the moment, and I had to literally rob the internet essentially to watch the game today. And uh, with for the last twenty minutes, I could just see a white blob and a and a claret blob just running around the field. So I actually had to text some mates and text them and say, "How long is left in the game? How long more do I have to go through this?" So uh, yeah, that the things we do to watch Villa, the things we do, <laughs> the things
0: we do to enjoy pain most of the time. I have to give a special mention to Neil because this man, like you said, is camping and he still showed up and he's sitting in his car doing this podcast. So. Claps all the way around the world for Neil. It is definitely appreciated. But without further ado, guys, let's get into this because it's Trezeguet, the man a lot of people have given a lot of stick to lately, getting a brace today. Something that definitely I didn't expect. Danny, how did you feel about his performance?
1: Yeah, you'd, you'd almost say it was uh, Trezeguet's best performance in a Villa shirt, and he's he's brought us good moments before. Obviously, he's, he's all. I think it was a Leicester game before when he when he uh, when he scored uh, late on. But yeah, it was good to see him getting in those posi- The thing with Trezeguet is, uh, a lot of the times he manages to get himself in those positions, doesn't he? He almost likes playing off the striker, you know, getting a little bit inside. Um, He's off the ball work a lot of the time, sometimes better than his on the ball work. Uh, and it was good to see him actually score from those positions there. Because I, I, I've always had an issue with, the, with with his finishing this season. His finishing hasn't been quite there. But yeah, both goals today, you just seem to connect with them right
0: Yeah, I think the thing with Trezeguet especially, a lot of people look at him in particular, and I think, well, the obvious one is just the transfer business. Everyone goes, well, we basically got Trezeguet instead of Benrahama, or Hima, I can't pronounce that ever correctly, but anyways, you kind of look at, there you go, thank you, Danny. It's one of those things, I think a lot of people look at that and look at how well he's doing at Brentford and think, okay, we got the poor quality player, but To be fair, the last few games, he really hasn't put a foot wrong. He's tracking back what he really hasn't done a lot this season. If I'm going to give examples, the Liverpool game, he was tracking back. He was providing a lot of cover uh, to the left back in those circumstances. Um, Even the game against United, he had his chances there. Of course, the one that went off the post in this game. It just seems like he's incrementally getting a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable, and he's imposing himself on the ball and on the game. Neil, I'll come to you next. Aside from Trezeguet, was there anyone that stood out for you that you'd want to give a special mention to?
2: Absolutely. Another Egyptian masterclass as well from Elmo. He has... You, you talk about professionals in this game, and you talk about just good guys in the locker room, and you talk about people that are dependable, and Ahmed el is superbly dependable. He came in at short notice today. Khan's obviously had to ship, ship in into centre half uh, and Elmo came in right back and his delivery of crosses is just fantastic. It was, it's just been a staple of his game since he first came into the Premier League. He's been um, very good defensively and he's been very good uh, in the attacking sense. And when he gets that ball just on the edge of what you would call kind of the middle third and attack, attacking third, third and he gives in that early cross, it's very dangerous. And I know he had... He had a couple of them today that he overshot people with, or maybe Samata wasn't in the right position, and it was one that Jack got his foot onto at the, at the back post as well. But I thought Elmo was absolutely fantastic as well today, um, especially for, as I say, for a guy who came in at short notice. And we lost Courtney House at the start of the game, who has been our best defender since we've since we've come back. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there's there's big dues and big props due to due to Elmo and Ak Muhammad as well today because he was just fantastic. Yeah, one hundred percent.
1: Sorry, can I just pick up on that? Um did you did you say um did you say you feel Courtney Horse has been the best defender? So I thought
2: Courtney's new our, our best defender since we've come back after the break. Yeah, I think he's been fantastic. Oh, interesting.
1: <laughs> interesting. Interesting. I mean, uh, just
2: cuz cause, just cause I just
1: cause there was a lot of just you know, picking up on that on that defensive point. Um uh, sorry, Cole if I cut you off there. Um, okay. No, but you're picking up on that defensive point like I think Conza slotting in at uh, in in that Courtney Horse position um that right center back and then El Mahammedi coming in at right back and the defense looking so much more balanced today. Uh, don't you think there be a lot of fans out there tempted to say well Hawes is the problem in in that sense. Don't you think there be a lot of fans out there thinking well if if uh, if Courtney Hawes had played in instead of instead of Ezri we would have let in uh, would have let in more goals.
2: I don't think so because if even if you go back to the one goal that we did let in the v- the VAR chalked off which I thought probably should have stood I, I would have been very Annoyed if that was chalked off for, from a Villa point of view. Just as I was very annoyed that, um, you know, that the Tyrone Mings was given a penalty against was it Arsenal when he dived out and he shouldered the ball. It clearly hit the point of his shoulder and it was a penalty. Mm. Um, you know, for me, that 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 when that ball comes in, Kanza just wasn't strong enough in the air. He was nowhere near it and he actually just turned his back on the ball. To be honest with you, that's something that has the Courtney Haas, doesn't do. Um, I think that he's been. I think of the two between him, himself and Mings. Courtney Hawes has had far fewer uh, errors in him than than Mings has had since the return. And I suppose that's what kind of prompted me to to kind of think that he's been almost solid and probably our best defender since the the return. But look, as I say, whatever happens, if I don't care who plays, they could bloody tug out Richard O'Keefe and put him in their centre half for all I care. As long as we get a win, I don't really care who wins, who goes in there. Um, you know, it's, it's all about finding a balance. And if we stay up on goal difference, if we stay up by a point, if they play bloody, if they, I don't know, if if Nassif Suarez wants to stand in there and fancies himself at centre-half alongside Mings or Kansa, I really don't care. Uh,
1: Egyptians <laughs> haven't put a foot wrong for us yet. They haven't
2: yet. put a foot wrong, exactly. <laughs> well,
0: guys, if I, if I jump in there, I think it was almost a blessing today when I look at it, when you have, I don't want to say an injury is a blessing, but Haas coming off of course and then you had neil taylor coming off as well with i believe was a little bit of a hamstring pull if i'm correct in saying that brings in obviously target cons comes back inside to be a center back where he should be and then it Mm. brings in elmo and in my opinion i tweet this out earlier i think that change at fullback was the world of difference today jack was struggling a little bit i still think he has some kind of injury with his ankle or something he just doesn't seem to cut in like he used to something seems a little off he's a little bit off the pace there so I wouldn't be shocked with that but having target in behind him and especially that uh, one ball that I don't know how Trezeguet and Davis both missed uh, in the second half that still boggles (laughs)
1: my mind a little bit I can Um, understand Davis missing it to be fair I I think I think Trezeguet is gone for that thinking right there is absolutely no way I'm letting this go because I'm scoring my hat trick and Davis is probably thinking well it's not coming to me. I was <laughs> so probably thinking, I, I what it. do I
0: have to do to get a goal here finally? But no, the, the fullbacks w- was excellent. I can only think of one instance in the whole game that Elmo had a poor delivery into the box. And the amount of deliveries they both had, I was very pleased with that whole outcome. I just think, Danny, I'll come to you... Mm-hmm. I I just didn't think they put a foot wrong. How'd you feel about that? The defense. Yes, uh, yeah, fullbacks no. in particular.
1: I think I think I think target. Oh, so it was it was interesting, wasn't it? We we actually, as you say, we, target wasn't even supposed to start. I mean, Neil Taylor played fine, uh, to be fair. Uh, you know, what? I was I was worried because uh, I think first 45 minutes. Let's not let's not rose tint everything. They got a lot of they got a lot of shots on target. Uh, Crystal Palace first first half. Pepe Reina, really, in my eyes, if oh. you're not going to look at Trezeguet, was was the, was the man of the match in 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 my opinion. Don't rose tint it. The the defense still has a lot of work to do. But for you know large parts of that game, if if you if you kind of if you look at the areas of play or the time the times of play where Crystal Palace actually did have more of the ball, there was a lot less pressure on the on the defense, and that's because that's because more naturally suited that centre back area. El Mahammedi in himself is is pushed a little bit further forward um and i I think i think we kept the ball a lot a lot more so the defense didn't have to deal with so much in that respect either but uh yeah i just thought that um i just thought they looked more balanced more than anything um i think maybe you know going back to Rayner as well maybe having experienced heads of both him and el Mohamedi there was um was 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 what did it but honestly cole honestly it was the fact they weren't under the cosh for the entire game
0: yeah and like we've kind of touched upon this before guys like I think we can all admit that was a goal I don't know how that gets disallowed Crystal Palace have to feel hard done by no no,
1: do they do they heck they can they can they they can they can survive this one
0: they can take this one it's evens the one thing I found funny especially on Twitter just to kind of go off topic is I love how Villa fans like think oh like all of a sudden like we have luck with VAR and then every other opposition fan just Takes a screenshot of the goal that should have counted against Sheffield United. I just love how they think just because we had one before out of the million times we've been screwed over, it's suddenly okay. Like it just boggles my mind.
2: And the thing for that, the thing with that with me is that we didn't willfully cheat. (laughs) Like basically what it was was it wasn't a dive, it wasn't a handball. Basically, Nealand had the ball in his hand. I'm sure he can't have been 100% sure he went over the line. And basically just came out with it. And the technology failed. that should have been there to say that it was a goal. So literally, the, all the dash of played play to the whistle was what Aston Villa did. Yeah, so, it wasn't a man that made that decision. Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't a man. Exactly. And it's not like you're diving for a penalty. Or it's not like, you know, something like that. Whereby that's, uh, I suppose, it's, it's a con job. The, this was a okay, goalkeeper made a mistake, wasn't fully sure if it was over the line, and then and then Wilfley went forward with the game, the technology failed, then c'est la vie. that's the way it goes, you know, but uh, hmm. Aston Villa shouldn't have to apologise for that at all, I don't think, but I do think the players should apologise for, for dives, and I do think the players should apologise for blatant dives, and like, we had a VAR decision there, where Jack gets fouled for the penalty, which, to be honest with you, I didn't think it was a penalty in in, in the moment, but if you're applying the rules of John Moss is applying the rules of Bruno Fernandez only three days ago, that is a penalty. But seemingly, <laughs> you know, they, they admitted to that one being wrong. To be fair, I did. got corrected for that. And on that's why I can understand exactly, and that's why I, that's why I, when I saw it, I went, "That's not a penalty. They can't give it because they've just Im- immediately after the last game said it shouldn't have been a penalty." So Jack, I actually hit Scott Dan's hand, should have been a penalty because you've seen those given. You know, Samat has crossed the hit off Scott Dan's hand, and I know he didn't move it, but you've seen those given. But anyway, <laughs> Cold. Greenish dive, didn't he? It
0: yeah. Is. Well, even Dean Smith said it in the post-match uh, comments. Oh yeah, he said he said Jack went down a little bit easily, but you know what? On the letter of the law and based off things that have happened previously, he went on to say something like that probably should be a penalty. Yeah, like he post- got he got tromped on. Like it is kind of the letter of the law. Like he did get fouled. Yes, he goes down easily. But then again, Danny, it, it's one of those things where, like, you can't look at it at one game and say yes, and then the other game say no.
1: Mm, mm, mm. Um, Neil, out of interest, are you from Republic or Northern Ireland? I'm from the Republic. What do you think of your of your man, Conor Harahan, stepping into midfield today?
2: I thought, Conor does that job all the time. He's, do you know what, he's kind of like, when his back is against the wall, when you're, when you slight him, when you give him a reason to be pissed off. He performs better. Um, call it just the Irish way, I suppose. He's the you Irish know, El Ghazi. He's kind. Well, maybe not. I wouldn't go that far. That's I, think harsh. I think he puts in a bit more effort than El Ghazi on, on a more constant basis. But uh, what? What? He's from a place in Cork called Bandon, and I've I've tried to nickname him. It doesn't seem to be catching on, but I'm going to use your <laughs> fans to try and catch it on. But he's the Bandon Beckham because uh, he's got he's great from delivery and uh, and he likes to just. You know, hold to his position in midfield, but uh, yeah. So that's I, I. I like Connor. I like um, I like what he's done. He's got he's got his heart is always in the right place because he's never had it easy. He's come up through the through the ranks all the way up through the divisions. And sometimes you need that steel for a fight. And look, he's better than Al Gazi. And I think today it showed that if you like, I'm just looking at his heat maps here from who scored. He is way more disciplined than Al Gazi. And put it this way, I would much prefer to have him standing over a free kick than to have Jack O'Gassy standing over a free kick. And, and approve dividends today because for the first goal it was his delivery. So um, yeah, I think that I think that he'll probably keep his place for the Everton game. And I think what it is is, as you mentioned, is it's finding the balance in, in with the centre halves and with the with the back four in general will allow people like Conor Connor Horan to um, to to. to be i suppose less isolated in the middle of midfield obviously douglas louise has just turned into like sergio busquets or uh, out and over like you know and 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 he's just become unbelievable so that also helps
0: Sergio oh your your comparisons are amazing Neil. i love this so much i'm enjoying this way too much the thing i kind of wanted to touch on with her hand too is how many times since Project Restart we've had a free kick just outside the box? And I'm thinking, I wish he was on.
2: Mm.
0: Like Danny, that is one thing that I'm so glad happened today. And in your opinion, do you think it's his place to lose right now?
1: What Connor Haran's? Yes. Oh man, I don't know. Like, is um, I think the same thing happened with him today. So like, I think I think in general Connor he does he does he does he does try he does fight i mean um just seems to be uh, you know he whenever he's had a spell out of the team that he comes back and, and has a couple of decent games but yeah i mean i don't know i don't know who you play instead of him because i think yeah Grealish and trezeguet was more effective than el Ghazi and trezeguet and you know on on that basis as well you just you might as well go with the extra midfielder i guess uh but I think I think Connor he looked like he looked like he cared today. I mean he he was he was shouting, you know, when the when when the free kicks was there, he was directing, you know, he, you could tell that um, he wasn't gonna um, you know he, he wasn't gonna let this game get a, get away from him. But yeah, I, I suppose it's his position to lose. Uh, I think a lot it was a lot of criticism towards John McGinn as well as usual. Um, oh, John's not you know he's not he's not he's not um, working hard enough out there. He's he's not he's not ready for injury. But I thought the midfield three worked well today. To yeah. be honest, I thought they all worked hard.
0: Yeah, they didn't really put a shift wrong. Like I think the thing when you look at it going forward, I think you have to keep Jack out wide. He just, it's so unfortunate. In a better team, he works in the middle, but I think he just feels like he has to track back too much because of what he has behind him, and that is unfortunate. I think keeping up the pitch just helps so much, and albeit you could bring in Algazi or put Trezeguet with Algazi, but I just think... Leaving Jack up there to create what he can gives us the best chance. And you know what? Worst case scenario, if you want to go more defensive, you drop her a hand, you put into kamba and you hope for high hell that you can hold on for something. Like we do have some flexibility here. It's not the greatest flexibility, but Neil, we do have options.
2: We do, um and well, we do and we don't. It kind of depends on who we're playing because. This game was set up. If you look at, uh, if you look at, uh, at at the last time, I suppose the Conor Conor had had an extended period out of the team. He came in on a, I'm going to say it was a Monday night game against Newcastle United, and I think he ended up scoring two goals that night. It was before <laughs> Christmas, obviously, and uh, we beat Newcastle three nil. And you know, there's certain games where he's going to come in, he's going to grab up by the scruff of the neck. Like he wouldn't have been able to obviously do that against, like bring him in against United. I don't think would have been. Uh, would have made much of a difference. Um, I think bringing him in to start against Sheffield United might have made a difference because they were pretty pedestrian. And, and getting at a team like that that can defend with three at the back and having good deliveries, you know, when we get our men up front, up, up forward, uh, would, have been, would have been quite good. But um, when you talk about options and so on, I suppose we do, in theory, have options, but it's been the same. And it's not really the center of the field that's causing us, that the, the causes our problems. It's because of the wingers that the center of the field has looked exposed an awful lot. Like, the the old times when Smith would just take off El Ghazi and bring on again, or just take off Trezeguet and bring on El Ghazi. <laughs> same then when difference. We start the two of them, exactly. But when we start the two of them, there is no, like, our options are severely curtailed because... He, like There was times when I was kind of saying, look, at this rate, we might as well play Neil Taylor behind target and El Mahammedi behind Freddie Gilbert and just kind of go ultra defensive with two guys that can get up the wing and can get crosses in. And I used to be overlapping fullbacks. So I suppose it kind of from from a from a, um, a depth point of view, it's, it's always going to be open to interpretation because we have we have depth to slot players in but those players certainly can't play against every team and can't play against every scheme and every system in the premier league. So it's uh it's more so the fact that we kind of have bodies than really have options, I think. And I think what, what Smith has done and I'm not, I haven't been too big a uh, uh, detractor of it is he's tried to find a team and settle it over the ne- over the last few games since project restart. And there's method to that madness as opposed to consistently tinkering around with it and making, and hoping that something comes together and, by that very virtue, I think he may have found the back four today that he will stay with and will keep with for the last three games as well. So, you know, it's 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 kind of a pick and toss with it, you know. And you, you don't really know where our depth is because of the, the dire straits that we're in because you're under pressure to change it if you don't get a result. But then again, you're also kind of low to change something if you're committed to, to trying to get that structure or to get that, that game plan enforced and it might take more than one or two games to do so. So um yeah it's an interesting kind of it's an interesting way and on any day the given week you could wake up and think we have depth and you could wake up and think that we don't. So I just want to I just want to pick up on that with depth as well, right,
1: Cole. And, I, and we, we talk about this quite a lot, right? But Dean Smith substitution. So obviously target comes on early on because that's that's forced. But um again, you know we were two and a lot today. And it took until about the 75th minute before we used the used any more of our five substitutions, and I thought that was really once again just another frustrating thing. Because I I know he brought on Nakamba and Davis late on, but I remember we were talking on WhatsApp about this call. Like that was yeah. it was a bit it was a bit late, wasn't it? Like surely you do that at the 70th minute when you know when when you're still in control of the game rather than wait for Crystal Palace to to start hammering us.
0: Yeah, I I think what I think what I said to you is I think Dean Smith was going for the whole if it's not if it's if it isn't broke if I can get it out of my mouth if it isn't broke don't fix it and it, it's a little naive in the sense like to be fair I didn't have an issue this whole game like we attacked we didn't let up yes they had some opportunities but we restricted them immensely we didn't really give them much of the ball of course we had a little bit of luck here and there but we kept at it and I haven't seen that in. What feels like forever. So I can understand the whole aspect of, of course, Palace are bringing on players. We're getting a little spread out, but it it always seemed like we had that third goal in us. And Danny, I don't remember the last time we've had that.
1: Uh, I don't remember the time we scored a second goal.
0: <laughs> True. Actually, you know what? If you want to keep talking, I will check and I
1: will let you know. <laughs> Neil, what do you think about the fact? What 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 was? What went through your mind when that second goal went in? Like, what was the... What was the feeling? Was it, were you were you excited or were you just kind of like um, <laughs> taken aback?
2: Well, I was I was intently listening to the to see who the hell scored it because I could just see a Claret blob and then next thing there was cheers from the pumped in noise and then I was waiting to see who <laughs> scored it and was it actually uh, was it going to be pulled back for VAR? Because I was watching it in a dodgy stream and uh, uh, my Sky Go, but uh, my, the internet wasn't great. But my, my initial thought was kind of, I was kind of numb to the situation because, um, just kind of like the, with the first goal as well, I, I, I was thinking to myself, this is great, but you know, it's, it's, and that's the way it's going to be for the last three games, because mm-hmm. with being seven points behind at start to play today, you were kind of going, yeah, that's fine, but you know, are we only kind of putting our, are we only just trying, kind of patching up the holes at the moment with this win? Now, obviously, you're glad to get it, and we do have hope and beat Everton, and and, uh, and if West, if we beat Everton and if West Ham beat Watford, uh, I will be dancing around the streets. I can guarantee <laughs> you that, because we'll only be one point off safety with two games to play and West Ham will be most likely safe at that stage. And we'll yeah. have West Ham the last game of the season. So my modus operandi was when that second goal went in, first thing that popped into my mind was, first of all, hopefully it's not pulled back for VAR. And secondly, get this to the last day of the season. If we're at the last day of the season and we're still within touching distance, we could be in with a shot with staying up and doing the absolute impossible. But, uh, yeah, so I was very numb to the situation, you know, when the second goal went in.
1: That's what Smith was saying, wasn't it? Like, you know, it, it could happen. I mean, let's imagine if Watford if Watford don't get points against West Ham. They still have Arsenal and um, I think it's another big team. I think it's Arsenal-Man City. Uh, yeah, City. Yeah, Man City. Yeah, like there's a chance then. But I don't want to think like that because uh, it's false hope. I was saying to my mom today. So I was I, I went I was out and about in Birmingham today. It's nice sunny weather. I had to come home early because I had to watch the match. Right, but I was saying to my mom today when I sat down and watching it, like watching Villa today. I was thinking this does not you know feel like enjoyment. It's not planning the weekend around the football because I can't wait for it. I said this felt like a chore. Watching Villa has become like a chore, and it's gonna be tense for the next few games. It's gonna be tense, man. Like it was it was good. It was a pleasant surprise today. But it's going to get, you know, one of these one of these games, there is a chance that there is going to be an absolute deflation of mood, you know, from every single one of us. Yeah, it, it, see,
0: it's tough because a lot of people don't want to rely on other teams. But unfortunately, like Watford, West Ham, you could even say Bournemouth, we're, we're just all in that situation. We're all watching and waiting on, on what like the other person does and the other team does. It, it's unfortunate to say we don't have it more in our control, but it, it, it's just it's one of those situations that a lot of people are saying, you know what, if this goes down to the last day, they'll take it. A lot of people are also saying too that that's never going to happen, but you know what, right now it's potentially written in the stars. And I'm sure as hell like when we look at this and we'll kind of chat about Everton here in a second briefly, but when we look at it, who are we depending on to drop points more? Watford or West Ham?
2: I would be I, I think that it's a good point. I suppose realistically, do we want to draw at the weekend? Do we want to draw during the week? I would kind of pretty much prefer if West Ham won and Watford lost. So that, that means that their last game of the season for them is is less of a you know, is less of a of a dog fight. You know, if they're safe last game of the season and we go I, I would be Pretty confident of taking that West Ham team on the last day of the season if they have nothing to play for.
0: Yeah, see, if if you look at it from a, a like a, a goal differential kind of aspect, you probably want West Ham to do better because what they're on minus fifteen right now, I think, and Watford are on minus twenty one. They're not they're not going to catch West Ham if that's the case because I cannot see Watford beating. Man City, who knows against Arsenal, because sometimes they have frequent results against them, and that would just be the most Arsenal thing ever. Um, uh, you know what, if I'm looking at it, I would, I would probably take the draw, because then it forces West Ham basically into the final day. In the same aspect, I don't want to leave it to just Watford screwing up. I would rather, the probabilities have to look better if there's two teams above us that can still go down. Danny, how do you feel about that?
1: I don't know if I do feel because I'm, I'm trying to block out everything that West Ham and Watford do. To be <laughs> honest, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, like I, it's, it's, it's everything's a hypothetical, right? Everything's a hypothetical. So, I'm, i I, 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 I struggle thinking about what's gonna happen with Villa for the next three games. I can't, I can't think about nine games, man. I can't think about Watford and West Ham at the same time. Uh, but yeah, I suppose if it goes to the last day, it's us versus West Ham. I don't know. West Ham have shown a lot, of, um, a lot of strength in the face of adversity over the last couple of weeks. Something which we, we haven't actually done, to be fair. We haven't I mean, shown any strength in the face of adversity yet.
2: The biggest problem I have is I don't want to go into a game at West Ham where they can just draw to stay up. Um, so that's why I want West Ham to win. So if we're, if we're forced into a game where we absolutely have to win and a team can put 10, 11 men behind the ball, we, I, I'm not confident we can break them down if they do that. So I would prefer if if West Ham pulled pulled clear, beating Watford, and it just came down to ourselves and Watford, because you know we're going to have to beat Everton before we start thinking about anything here. We're going to have to bring it back to at least one uh, one point, you know. So um, it's it's going to be an interesting one. And for me, I would like to have I would like to put solely put the pressure on Watford and see what they're made of. Now Nigel Pearson is that manager that probably relishes pressure like that, and of the two managers, I think Moyes is more likely to buckle under the pressure and, and exude that kind of hesitancy with his team. But if we're in a position whereby, whereby we're playing with a team who literally don't have to attack us, I'm not confident that we can break them down um, on the last day of the season. So I'd like to, if we if we if they have nothing to play for, and the game is a small bit more open, so that's that's predominantly my reason for West Ham wanting West Ham to win
0: okay guys so let's uh let's wrap up the review here and we'll get on to everton here in a moment uh danny we'll come to you first here who would you give your match ball to
1: it's Trezeguet. and he scored two goals i, I don't remember the last time the team scored two goals as 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 we were saying um so i Trezeguet gets it i just that's, that's
2: prolific in my books
1: fair enough i'll go with that uh neil how about you
2: yeah, Trezeguet will be man of the match uh, for me. Uh, you know, games like that you get, you have unlikely heroes, especially when we can't, we couldn't buy a goal beforehand, and then we get somebody who scores two. And um, hopefully, be a bit more buoyant into going into the next game. Um, it would be nice if Samata could actually, you know, maybe get a shot on target. Uh, and that's not slagging him or anything like that. But I just saw an amazing statistic: 650 minutes since he last had a shot on target um he had a beautiful chance for a header in the first half that I thought that he was going to stick in the back of the net because that's his bread and butter but for me a lot of people that are saying that Davis can't do it and that he's you know yeah he's not prolific and he hasn't scored in the Premier League that's fine but um you know neither has Samata and for somebody to come up and be that hero uh, today I was absolutely delighted for it to be somebody like Trezeguet because he does put a shift in. Maybe it's not always the most intelligent running that he does, but today he was in the right place at the right time, and his finishes were absolutely impeccable. So fair play to him, and long may it continue. But he's. Do you know what?
1: In. Sorry, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize uh, I cut you off there. Um, do you know what as well with Trezeguet before before lockdown started, he was starting to get in some form, wasn't he? It just never happened for him. True. With the Leicester game and all that.
0: Yeah. No, that's actually a good point. Yeah. No, like if I'm going to give my match ball, I would have to give it to Trezeguet as well. It's like, it's difficult to really give it to anyone else. And like you said there, Danny, he was on a decent little shift of form there before, um, the whole coronavirus thing started. And like Neil said there, long may it continue. I think if anything, this shows everybody that we have a little bit of fight left in us. Hopefully it's not just a little bit of deception, but I think for Trezeguet especially, a lot of people are getting on his back. I think, I, I don't say this, I wouldn't say it proves everyone wrong that he's this spectacular talent or anything, but I think it puts the club in good stead in terms of what we can expect out of him maybe for the rest of the season. Maybe we can expect more of these shifts to come in. I hope so because. When you look at Samada, that statistic, Neil said, is ultimately damning and depressing. And the goals just don't seem like they're going to come from the strikers. So if they're coming from the Weidman, hell, I don't care who they're coming from. We just need goals. <laughs> but anyways, we'll kind of go on to Everton now uh, ever so briefly and then wrap things up because we do play them on Thursday. Everton are in an interesting run of form of late. Uh They're drawing and losing, and to be honest, they haven't won since, I believe, July 1st, and that being Leicester. Uh, Danny, what is your mindset going into this one? I I know a lot of people looked at the Palace game as the must-win to have any hope of staying up. And essentially, this now is the one to keep us
1: with that hope. Yeah, so, I mean, Everton are kind of in this weird... um weird limbo right like just like just like palace they really don't have an off like they really don't have anything to play for and i think it's, it's definitely come across in their performances um last few games what was it uh one nil one nil defeat to everton uh, sorry to tottenham hotspur i think was uh, wait hang on am i am I, have I got this right no no it wasn't it was three three nil defeat sorry to to wolves wasn't it and they got um well, they had a one-nil defeat to Tottenham as well, and the draw with Southampton. They haven't been scoring goals. It's just, just not quite working for them, is it? Uh, I, I think it's. I think this is points really. I think this should be points. Should be. Uh, and we've we've, you know, already done it against them this season. Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people saying this is a hard game, but I mean, look at the rest of the games there. This, I mean, we're we're more likely to get points off Everton than anybody else. So this is the most important game left.
0: Yeah, Neil, I'll come to you next, because I'm looking at the table right now. Everton are almost, I wouldn't say deadlocked in 11th, because Southampton and Newcastle are a point or two behind them. So they could still drop, but they're five behind Burnley in 10th. They're realistically probably not going to move up. Maybe they'll probably just kind of finish where they are right now. So if anything for Villa right now, this might be uh, just a team that has nothing to play for, and we can capitalize.
2: Yeah, I think I think the uh, last few games are just going to be um, all about Ancelotti seeing what he has, uh, maybe getting to see certain players in certain positions, see, seeing certain players in certain formations with certain duties and so on like that. Because let's not forget that the Carlo Ancelotti is probably one of the top ten managers probably ever ever in Europe, you know, with, with what he's won and what he's done. Um, so you know, he's probably taking a good look at it, and they're probably looking to rebuild for next year with the shortened down version of the off season this year as well. You know, teams like that are going to be, they're going to be, uh, I suppose, kind of really relying on the sports scientists and trying to keep, keep players fit uh, or keep players, um, sheltered, should I say from potential injuries and so on, especially when they don't have anything to go for. And a lot of these players have already got their tickets booked to wherever in the world is coronavirus free at the moment. You know, so uh, so it's it, and and you can't blame them because the league is going to be starting up again pretty soon. There's going to be a shorter off season, and a lot of those guys aren't going to want to get injured now because it could jeopardize the start of next season too. And I think that Everton are certainly in that bracket, and uh, I think that they could be there for the taking. If not a win, at least a point that keeps us within three points, hopefully, of Watford and and West Ham um, after Thursday night.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Neil, I'll come right back to you. Let's get your uh, score prediction, sir.
2: I'm going to go with one 0 Villa. Uh, Tyrone Mings header.
0: Oh, another clean sheet. I will take that all day <laughs> long. Danny, how about yourself? Uh, I'm gonna
1: go one-all. I'm just gonna be realistic. Uh, I can see us. I can see us. Um, I can see us scoring, but two clean sheets in a row. Nah, too good to be true, dude. Too good to be true. <laughs> anything the dreams are made of yeah come on
0: <laughs> put us out of
1: our misery though man like, I, i'm not i'm not i'm not enjoying this hope i'm not enjoying this hope at all it makes me feel <laughs> sick i'm i'm gonna feel sick every single time i watch a villa match for the rest of the season so if we win how are you gonna feel after that you think sick because it's just prolonging something man look i'm look if if villa somehow managed to pull this off yeah it will be one of the greatest escapes in, in, in Premier League history, surely. I don't know well it won't be. It, ha- it has fight. to be
0: one of them. Like, seven points, and all of a sudden you're out of it within a matter of games. Like, probably Sunderland's escape a f- few seasons ago would be up there, but Leicester's. this has to be one of them.
1: Leicester's Leicester's the best, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: okay. Well, we, well, look dead be- ba- we
1: look dead and buried, do not we? We look dead and buried, that's my point. If we <sighs> manage to win, though, it would be good. Negative, negative. Come on, Danny. Hope. Put
2: some hope in there. <laughs> Danny, if we get out of this, you have to, I think Cole should set you some sort of forfeit or something like that, that if we get, if we come out of this, that you have to come on, you have to sing a song uh, at the, to start off a podcast or something like that, mm-hmm. because we can do this, I'm being, I've been called out for being too optimistic, and today I get a chance to be optimistic, because we're only four points there, and we've got a win under our belt, <laughs> and we're going to stay up, <laughs> it's going to be fantastic, and I'm going to dance naked in the street after it happens, and it's going to mm-hmm. be brilliant.
0: Oh, great. So now now it's going to be Irishman gets arrested for dancing naked in the street. Can't wait to see that on the news.
2: <laughs> no, people join in with man as he dances naked in the street. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Assuming that he's drunk and has extra beer. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: All right, well, you know what? I'll give mine here quickly. I'm going to be just a, as optimistic because I think this train's going to keep rolling. I'm also going to go for a... Uh, let's go 2-1 Um, I want to see two more goals So I, I need a little bit more enjoyment Than just one We've been a little dry lately So I'll go 2-1 to Villa We'll be one point behind Watford and it'll all come down to the last day. You know what? We're going to do this, guys. We're going to do this. But anyways, guys, let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much to Danny and to Neil for joining me today. Of course, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, reach out to us on Twitter at 7500 to Holt. If you want to email the pod, it's HoltCastPod at gmail.com. And of course, if you want to reach out to Neil, you can reach out to him on Twitter at Pod. If you want to reach out to Danny, it's at Razajerno. And of course, if you want to reach out to myself, it's at Talk podcast and villa all together we make up the holt cast in association with 7500 to holt guys it's getting nitty-gritty here we have a bit of hope left let's keep trekking on on to thursday and don't forget up the villa